Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's slowly, ever so slowly crawling its way out of the dark until, like a groundhog, it will emerge again in <laughs> January. I'm Alex. It's been so long since we did this, I forgot we did this opening thing. <laughs> but here I am doing it anyway. And isn't Groundhog's Day in February? Let's follow up with more details. I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm Pete, and I always forget about this bit. Well, welcome back, everybody. Or at least temporarily welcome back as we continue to truck log to the just announced tw- January 20th premiere date for season five of Riverdale. That's, That's very January. exciting. So we got good. a little bit of time there, but uh, we want to we want to check in with all of you and yeah. with Riverdale Nation. We we miss it. We're very excited <laughs> to get back to it. And speaking of things that are old that are new again, just want to say happy belated birthday to A Zalbers. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for saying it on this podcast. I appreciate it. It makes the Um, most sense to say it right here, right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what we're going to do with this little podcast here. Uh, Later in the show, we got a ridiculous amount of tweets from you all with your theories about season five, your questions, your concerns, all of those things. We want to get to as many of those as possible. But first... We got a special little treat for you all. Uh, This is not exactly new. This has been bouncing around for, I think at this point, about four years on the internet. So you can search it out if you want. But it's the third revised network draft of the pilot of Riverdale. Yes. there, I don't know exact figures, but just to give you a sense of the continuity, if you don't know, um, this is, I believe, for the CW. Originally, Riverdale was developed for Fox before it moved over there. I'm guessing this is around the time it was on the CW, but I don't know for sure. And I think I read somewhere that there were five drafts total. So this is somewhere, this is not the first pilot draft. This is not the last pilot draft. This isn't the version that you saw on TV. But it is interesting to check out because it's still written by Roberto Gersicasa. And it's an earlier version of what they were thinking. And uh, for those of you, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but there are so many things that they went through. At one point, it was going to be a time travel comedy. At one point, it was going to be all about the battle of the bands between the Archies and Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, man. Uh, I know, right? I'm sure we'll get that someday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it is crazy, too. I mean, especially in this time where we haven't had any Riverdale and the last season was left sort of uh, truncated and we're uh, just waiting desperately to find out what what's yeah, happening the big with prom. the big prom situation. And to go back and read this and think about what it was at the start, what it could have been, like you're saying, is so interesting. And really reading this, all mm-hmm. the pieces are there. Yeah, it's all there. It's not like I mean, there there are definitely minor changes, but mm-hmm. mostly it's kind of the same bones, I would say. And uh, uh, it was rough reading the Fred parts. Yeah. Sure. 
uh, yeah, it's like you're saying, it's interesting to look back at it now. And I will say it's a good script. I enjoy it. I had a fun time reading it like you were touching on, Justin, and we'll get to some of the changes, some of the things that kind of fell away um, or got switched around or moved to other places in the show in a moment, uh, because I meant to take, I figured, oh, I'll take a note or two, but I have a whole list of them here, and we'll see what we get to. Um, But it it works. Uh, That was all I was going to say, is that it is a fun script, it works, but you can kind of see why the pieces they changed were the things that they changed. Uh, Yeah. I was really impressed. I mean, you know, this is a a really good script. I mean, Justin, uh, you know, being L.A. Justin, you got to get a ton of shitty scripts, you know, pitched to you all the time. Uh, What did it feel like to read a good one like this? I really don't think you understand uh, anything about my life, but I'll take it. Um, I it was uh, to read a script that feels this sort of fully formed and uh, and really well done, like the twists and turns, the amount of like excess in high school um uh just the the way they they lay out the high school life that we've come to sort of know and love about Riverdale is so cool to see yeah uh so how should we do this why don't we uh I can kind of work through the notes that I took down and obviously we can go free for him from there but the biggest one the biggest thing the biggest change in the script happens right up front Jason Blossom has a line and that changes everything yeah like from there wow. i was like this is not the riverdale you know you know yeah yeah you were into that pete very much i mean it's nice to see jason get a little bit more due in the script because in the real show you know poor guy he didn't get a lot before he was you know brushed off i'm sure it was la justin going to speak to this but a lot of times when they get <laughs> actors on set they start acting up and being very like you know me 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 and sometimes you gotta write them out of scripts you know so That's, uh again pete i don't know what you've been watching or viewing uh but that is mostly not how it works uh oh weird what have you been watching like soap operas or what uh what like Early I just I hear episodes? I hear stories from the set, you know. Then that's well, from just who? to cut this off because I don't want anybody to get upset. Apparently, everybody loves Trevor Steins, uh, who plays uh, Jason Blossom on the show. It's just funny to me, and I know it actually is a little deal, but it's funny to me that he gets a line here when the whole bit is that he never talks. Every time he pops up, flashbacks, everything. So it was funny to see that tiny little change. Well, and I I do think it's actually stronger if he doesn't speak because he's more of a mystery then. Like to see him um, and not hear him and just have more questions about him than anything I think is better. So I do prefer the way they landed on it. And also, if we just see him, he really becomes this sort of specter uh hanging above archie much more he's this like mm-hmm. r- like in, you see in the script that this f- first season had a lot of like archie is replacing jason in a lot of different ways on the football team sort of in high school um as the cool kid uh and potentially it, with cheryl uh yes uh so it's like having him be more of a specter from the jump i think makes it stronger Yeah. The other thing overall about the script that I thought was interesting versus what we saw on TV is they clearly rejiggered it to focus much more on Jason Blossom's disappearance and murder. You know, there's it's it's interesting from a script perspective because it is just like little scenes and little pieces of dialogue here and there. But it's clear this one was trying to set up multiple mysteries. And at some point, 
I'm going to take a wild stab and say it was Greg Berlanti because he's pretty famous for giving like very specific notes. But I'm sure somebody came out and said, just focus on this one mystery. Just make yeah. it the one mystery. <laughs> Have all the other stuff going on, but just this one thing. Because there's Smart. a whole thing late in the script where Alice and Hal at the register are going after Hermione and Veronica and trying to entrap them because they're like, man, that Jason Blossom story really didn't pan out for us at all. And that one lie that they say kind of undercuts everything about the Jason Blossom mystery in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I don't know if this made the final cut, but you got uh, Hermione and Smithers getting high in the back. (laughs) I don't remember that scene, scene. uh, which I thought was pretty wild. Also crazy that the original narrator was was Pop. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the hamburgers, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, he, he's sort of going into of a hamburger is, character. I'm, I'm a talking hamburger, and yeah. this is Riverdale. <laughs> and it's a strong choice. It really makes sense to why Jughead um, is, you know, sort of the character with the hamburger, and he would yeah. write in, in the hamburger voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think so that's an interesting smart. change. Yeah, coming from the hamburgers, like, POV, I'm really hoping in the next season we're going to get more of that, because yeah. that is just gritty... Just kind of like, you know, fry level, just documentary (laughs) style, you know, just feeling the heat in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really fry level. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Fry level. That's the way. Good writing is always on fry level. You want to sort of speak fry to fry with your audience? If you can. If you can. Uh, To jump ahead to the end, actually, because there's another little twist here. So Jughead is narrating the whole thing. He's certainly in it. Less than I think the TV version that we saw. Um, He's kind of held in the background the entire time. And the reveal is that he's hearing impaired, that he has a hearing aid. uh, And there's a specific note in the script that he talks a little differently as somebody who has forgotten what his voice sounds like out loud versus his narration, which is the more steady Jughead narration that we know. Um, I think that's an interesting detail. I understand why they excised it, but it did make me feel like, oh man, that that could have been a cool thing and a cool part to throw in there in the show. What did you guys think? I agree with you, um, but I do think it's a little weird to me to be like, because he's painted as such the emo outsider, and to then give him this um, hearing impairment felt a little, mm-hmm. like, mean. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I, I sort of championed the choice of, of taking that part out. Uh, but I, I was struck by how much of an outsider he's, he is in this. Um, it really is not the core four at all. It's building towards... So much of this episode is about building the Betty and Veronica relationship, and then yeah. the trio... And then Jughead comes out of nowhere, um, uh, which is, I guess, where he's headed now, back to nowhere in our current season. What's nice <laughs> is uh, whether or not you're talking Just about the... Sh- sl- slip that right under the rug, Pete. Yeah, 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 I thought it was good. Uh, I think regardless of whether we're talking about the, the show or the script, Kevin is great in all of it, which is just fantastic. There are a couple of little changes with him as well, uh, and maybe these are things that I'm forgetting for the pilot, but Kevin's dad is General Keller instead of Sheriff Keller, which I thought was interesting and consistent with the comics, if I remember correctly. Uh, Also, uh, Kevin calls Archie Endgame about Betty, which is pretty early. We didn't get that. Yeah, first up, dropping the Endgame. Yeah, got to drop the Endgame. And you know, when Uh, you hear it in the pilot, it's like Chekhov's Endgame. You know that that's going to go off by the end of the series. <laughs> Boom. Barchi. Hashtag Barchi. 
No. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, maybe I I should have watched the pilot again before we taped this. I just neglected to. But yeah. uh, Kevin hooks up with the dude uh, on Grindem, I believe, and then they find Jason's body in the woods. But here in the script, it's a kid in school who's named Devin. So you got Devin and Kevin. Devin Davis. Very strange. Ah, Very fun. Uh, and that definitely would have changed things, I think, for the better if there was another uh, LGBTQ plus kid right from the top in the school. That would have been nice. And yeah. it's interesting why they would why they moved away from that. Maybe just to keep the number of characters down. I, I don't quite know because I agree with you. The fact that he was named Devin, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> this is not necessary. Um, but This the- is ridiculous. This is the most ridiculous naming I've ever heard on this show. Oh yeah, this God. show won't get any more ridiculous than Devin and Kevin. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Tall boy would certainly agree. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, Sweet Pea might have a say in that. <laughs> pop Tate? No, Pop Tate. That's, wait, who was I thinking of? Well, I don't know. Poutine? I don't know. Are you talking Papa about Putin? the um, Papa Poutine? Papa Poutine. That's right. I, I said Pop Tate, but then it got stuck in my Papa Poutine. Thank you. It's Papa been Putin. a while. Papa Poutine. Yeah. A uh, couple of other things. There's a Judy Bloom flashback. Oh, uh, yeah. Some Judy Bloom cameo in there, which Come is on. nice. I guess they couldn't get her. Uh, yeah, Bloom's busy. Yeah, she's got that Bloom money. She's she got no yeah. time for TV. She invented the Bloom and Onion. That's Bob true. Bloom. A lot of people only know her for her uh, fiction, her child fiction work, but she actually invented the double deep fried onion at uh, Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> she wrote that book. What was it called? Are You There, God? It's me, Outback Steakhouse. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, that's oh, right. Fudge. She was the one that demanded it have 2,000 calories in it, have a full day's <laughs> calorie count. It's Inject a murder it weapon. with extra calories, Judy <laughs> it's Bloom said. It's a murder said. weapon. She goes into every outback with an injection of pure hot oil and just shoots it right into the center. It's a secret recipe. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a relatively big change, or at least it would have changed things tremendously going forward. And I'm curious to hear what you think of this one, Pete. I'm sure you have opinions. But Fred and Mary are still together at this yeah. point. Uh, what do you think about that? That was kind of crazy, but I was like... It's kind of a, a sweet start. Uh, it really, you know, messes things up going forward. But I kind of, uh, I think that's interesting. Definitely gives the kind of like neighbor a little bit more horse, wholesome feel to it, where you got uh, the two families right next to each other. The families are still intact, and it's also just crazy to go back and read this. And I'm like, oh, later he's going to be a murderer. This is. It's just crazy to see different people being normal. Yeah, being normal before things kind of blow up. Uh, yeah, and also she's in real estate instead of law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which that's going to hurt she- later when, uh, you know, things really go down and Archie gets himself in trouble with the law. So this is another thing that uh, it always struck me as weird that Fred and Mary were divorced before really? the show started. No, it really did going in because it did feel like you needed – that solid Andrews family unit to be working against anything. And it, it never quite made sense to me that Fred and Mary broke apart. I, I, you know? I thought it updated it nicely to kind of give it not that uh, comic book Archie feel like it really separated from the comic book. I felt like in a nice way to be like, this is different. This is going to be a lot edgier, a lot scarier, a lot different. Well, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that it felt like to me, the Andrews family should be that oasis. However, 
However, they still have the note that Hermione and Fred dated back in high school, which they talk about. So again, it seemed pretty clear to me that it's a long line. Somebody gave the notes of if you're going to have this romance going forward, break up Fred and Mary, and then you have the way open for that, and that becomes interesting. That's a yeah, good note. That's a good note, you know? It makes Fred, if Fred was cheating <laughs> on his wife to have this aff- sort of affair with Hermione, I think that really damages Fred as a character. Yeah. So he- to have them already separate, I think it's good. And also, like, in this episode, we don't see Mary at all. Like, she's just right. like, hey, off to work. So it's like, if we don't, if we're not going to ever service this character, then, like, why do we need it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the uh, fourth, not... like the fourth host we had on this podcast that we eventually deleted, uh, Mary Andrews, right? Yeah, also ironically <laughs> named Mary. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Pussycats because there's a couple of differences with them. The two biggest differences, I think, uh, first of all, Melody is a platinum blonde. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's going on. Uh, also, there's a note in there about how they're wearing their ears already. And they're like, and there's a very funny note about like, oh, yeah, we're going there. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing the whole thing. Um, and it's I, I don't know if you got this impression. This is more of like a reading the script thing. But it seemed like it got looser and more fun just in the writing of the script as it went. Like it's yeah. very locked up at the beginning and you start to get ridiculous notes like that that really flesh it out and give a sense of uh, they're having fun with this. They're not taking down Archie comics. They're not skewering it. It's not coming from a place of meanness or anything. It's coming from a place of fun and playing with and teasing the audience a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely feel the love of the comic in the script, which is nice. But I I agree, like you're saying, uh, a lot of the notes are great. And I think making us, you know, kind of earn the Josie and the Puss- Pussycat full costume later instead of giving it to her right in the pilot is smart. Well, I think they in the script, we get a lot of uh, references to different movies and TV shows that they're like, you know, like this, like um, the Nicole Kidman to die for um, uh, movie. Uh, there's a great reference in here about that. And throughout and uh, Romeo and Juliet, the um, yeah. Baz Luhrmann movie. And the fact that they uh, the magic of this show and this script is that they're able to thread together all these reference references. Um, cultural references and visual references without it feeling forced or cheap and still make all this comic book uh, reality, comic book stuff feel real, which is so hard with comics that are sort of so stylized and goofy as some Archie comics. Yeah. Uh, Getting back to the Pussycats, the two other things that I thought were interesting, and maybe, again, I'm misremembering the pilot, but the Pussycats already have 200,000 YouTube followers, which seems to work against the way that we know them in the show, where they're big in Riverdale, but really need to work outside of the town. Um, So that certainly changes things. And another thing that I thought was a really fun little Easter egg is uh, in honor of Jason, they sing Mad World, which as we well know, doesn't show up until much, much later in, I think, the most derided scene or one of the most derided scenes in Riverdale history, uh, the Serpent Dance one. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, they really held on to that. Yeah, they really moment. made us work for it before they gave that gave that up. Uh, it was interesting seeing uh, Josie and the Pussycats be more famous, A, and B, be sort of a part of the show even since, um, as we mm-hmm. know, Josie left uh, to go to New York and be part of a show called Katie Keene that sadly won't be coming back. Oh, I'm why do ke- you got to bring that up? 
Well, because it's true. Um, oh, and I'm man. curious because it's uh, very uh, apt to our conversation about Josie. Fucking hey, man. That's just bringing up some hurtful shit. Yeah. Um, really wear your heart on your sleeve, Pete, uh, when it comes to the Pussycats. Um, does that mean, now that Katie Keene is canceled, that we're going to see Josie back on the show uh, going hmm. forward? In a larger smart. Role? If they're smart, that's what they'll do. Yeah, I, I hope so. I don't think so. I, I mean, my sense... Uh, I, I don't. I've never talked to her, but my sense is that Ashley Murray is probably moving on to other projects and doing other things, and I think that's okay. The, the show is doing other things as well. I love her on the show. I thought she was great as Josie, um, but I think we can head in other directions, and that's all right. I hope she doubles down and does like a dirty laundry situation, you know, where it films her own Josie and the Pussycats video. By the way, Pete, uh, no one knows what a dirty laundry situation is. <laughs> that sounds like a weird made-up term that you're talking about. Would you like to define that, or are you comfortable just saying... I'm comfortable with We it, got yeah. ourselves a real dirty laundry situation <laughs> here. Yeah. Great. Uh a couple of other little notes as we're working through here. I thought this was an interesting one. Uh, so Grundy uh, did a mentorship uh, with a character called Tomoko Yoshida, who is a Archie Comics character, and not Jason Blossom. Uh, so she probably wasn't a serial abuser like she turned out to be in the show. That was an interesting little thing. Um, also... But I like that note because I think that speaks to this uh, Jace, uh, Archie replacing Jason mm-hmm. thing that they developed as this went on. Yeah, absolutely. And also then it's this dangling character that you just kind of mentioned as an Easter egg that uh, went away and is never showing up again. Um, so I think it's okay to cut it. It's crazy um, they didn't follow up that Juilliard violin uh, virtuoso storyline. Yeah. Archie could probably decide he's the best at violin for three episodes. Oh, yeah. Or maybe the bear that mauled Archie is a violin yeah, uh, I believe maestro. That yeah. Mm. Uh, let's talk about Betty because Betty is way darker in this script or in a different way than she is on the show. There's a very big scene. Uh, she is pretty traumatized about what happened with Polly and Jason. And there's a scene where she and Veronica are walking. Veronica's prodding her about joining the river vixens and she stands next to a freight train and screams. I love this. I love the scene too. Yeah. I I wish... We, I mean, it's dangerous to shoot that, I think, is perhaps a production reason why it went away. Um, but, man, what a cool scene. That feels like a real trailer. It could have been a trailer moment for the show, like Betty and Veronica with Betty just, like, screaming. Uh, feels very Twin Peaks in a good way, but also, like, teen rebellion, uh, not fitting into this uh, small town with secrets. Like, I thought it was great. Uh and Justin, I'm sure you know this from being upstate guy. Screaming next to a train is glorious. I mean, it's a fun, great activity to do. Great way to kind of vent and feel better about yourself. It's a pastime. I put it on my uh, college applications. Uh, uh, have, you, a, have you guys seen that movie, uh, Train Screaming? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, very dark. Yeah, very dark. yeah, very dark. When they crawl into a toilet. And it's one of those train toilets, so it's like super gross. gross. Unlike the Metro North, no thanks. Oh, Mm, oh, man. Now that's a good place to sit and relax. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, These are are just like a couple of script notes that Mm. I wrote down. Punctuation uh, Things that I just thought were... Well, that I thought were fun that were written in the script. I mean, first of all, before I get to those, a bunch of cursing in the script, which I thought was interesting, given that... It could have been at Fox. It was going to the CW. I don't think there's a point that they could have been like shit and fuck and asshole. 
Um, so I wonder what the intention was there or what they would have done. Uh, but the two that I wrote down is after uh, the Betty Veronica kiss, there's a fun note uh, where in the in the directions says, and the heads of every Archie fan on the planet explode. It's the water cooler moment of the 2016-2017 television season. Wow. Or is it? I, <gasps> I thought that was cool. That was fun because then Cheryl, of course, undercuts it completely. Uh, and then the other one uh, that I wrote down is, Fuck, is Archie blackmailing Miss Grundy? Is that the kind of show we're doing? Which made me laugh as well. Well, and I do think the both these things you're mentioning, those little script action line flourishes and having the characters actually swear, I feel like it's something you see in a lot of scripts that I think are there to like really get the readers, the network execs, mm-hmm. everyone like on board and into the vibe. Even though they know at the end of the day they're going to have to... They're yeah. going to have to change those swear words, and no one's ever going to see all this um, action dialogue or action um, uh, direction from the side. Like, it's there for flavor. And I think it does, in reading this, it really adds so much of it. Like you said, it really mm-hmm. builds so you feel like you're coming into the voice of the show as you're reading the script. And if anyone out, uh, any uh, big, uh, big Riverdale fans out there, like, track down this script because it is really fun to see to see the enthusiasm in the script writing um, mm-hmm. come together. I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess everything else, you know, there's little tweaks and changes there and there. Instead of Sheriff Keller, we got Detective Sam Hill. Uh, also, there's a note about Hermione maybe tried to steal Hal in high school from Alice, which obviously would have changed things quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and then there's little setting things like uh, where Cheryl sets up the seven minutes in heaven game is a little different. It's in Mr. Blossom's man cave. Mm. There's some little bits that are different with Cheryl as well, I think, and particularly her relationship with Penelope. Penelope seems a little softer to me. Yeah. In this and version like, that drugged up in a slightly different mm-hmm. way. She seems like a sort of Stepford wife as opposed to mm-hmm. someone who's like a straight up wall hiding in monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but overall, great. Uh, any final thoughts? Any notes before we move on to everybody's questions and tweets? I I was really impressed how close this was to the final product. I thought it would be a lot, a lot different. Uh, you know, you, a third version of a draft is still pretty rough. But I was really impressed with uh, how great this was and how the show really came across and the things that we know and love are all in the script. Uh, yeah, I agree. And like to hit on some of them, I thought um, we get the uh, well, Pete, you're a huge butler, Stan. Like, yeah. did you like when Veronica uh, meets Smithers for the first time? What a moment, right? Yeah, that was real nice. And uh, she was very cold to him, which hurt. But uh, you, you could feel the love on Smithers end. Yeah. Sad that he died off screen, I want to say. In <laughs> a later come, no, he's going to come back. Don't you worry about it. Wasn't he working at a bus depot or something for a little while? We should really track the arc of Smithers. That should be a whole yeah. episode we do and just really yeah, get into it. We've got the, nothing but time before January. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, shoot us your Smithers-related questions. Yeah, at let's Riverdale build Dark, Smithers Hive. Hit us up with all your Smithers-related content. Let's uh, get that full Smithers montage built. A um, couple of just funny Archie things. Um, I love he's like he's talking to, I think, Betty, and he's like, I would write these poems when I was yeah. working construction, <laughs> and then I would set them to music. I'm thinking about calling them songs. <laughs> Have you ever heard a song before? I was like, come no. on, dude. <laughs> I, loved, I loved the part where he's like, it took me half of summer to realize these poems weren't poems. They were songs the whole time. <laughs> 
That's the biggest reveal is yeah. that Archie discovers music yeah. right in front of our eyes. Yeah. He invented it. Yeah, yeah. he did. Um, it's the origin of love. He's the origin jazz. of love? Is that what you just said? It is. That's what we get a lot of here. Um, another Archie thing. He walks into the band rehearsal of Josie and the Pus- Pussycats yeah. and demands them to write his songs. I feel like that scene was in the actual pilot, but man, it was. it's, it's yeah. crazy. There are a lot of scenes that are very close to what actually happened on screen or have the same placement or the same general structure. A lot of the dialogue overall seems tightened up, both in terms of uh, pacing and actual sentences and words and everything like that. Um, But good stuff. Uh, Any final thoughts, Pete? Uh, Nope. Uh, I just want to say, like, obviously the script also really focuses on uh, Barchi. Barchi is where this ride began, and it's great that we are able to come back to that now in this upcoming season and really ride again. Yeah, see, that's yeah, that's the thing I'm most nervous about is what's going to happen this season because I feel like uh, I'm going to get fucked, and it's going to be <laughs> really get awful. Fucked? Yeah, that's it's going to they're going to be specifically. Like, they're just going to be like, yeah, we're breaking up Jughead and Betty. So f- fuck you who believed in this relationship and, and cheered for it. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is like the DNA of this show, and I don't even want to get into the Archie comic side of it, but the DNA of this show is in this first episode that we just read where it's about like Betty's feelings for Archie. Archie's like misplaced feelings for Grundy. Veronica coming to town and having this um, seven minutes in heaven moment with Archie. Like it's this like sort of wheel of different feelings when art and Archie even says like, I love you, Betty, but I'm not good enough for you. And, and I think part of maybe what this time forward, this jump ahead is going to be is Archie finally maybe believing or realizing that he is good enough for her. Well, whether or not it works out in the end, I think that is, it's an interesting to reread this now. I think is really interesting. Well, one thing I just want to quickly point out there, L.A. Justin, as you know, when something starts out as a script, or when the show does a season or two, it takes a little bit to really get going to really feel like we know these characters. This is where we want them to go. So maybe something started, and they're like, "Hey, isn't this cool?" But then they realized, "Oh, this is whack. This relationship is dumb and outdated." Where the real action is, is you put Jughead and Betty together, and that's the money. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they say. Is like, Jughead and Betty, that's the money. Uh, I'm just picturing somebody sending back a script and writing next to a Betty and Archie dialogue. Whack? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That ties very nicely into our questions, which all of you are very uh, kindly sending in on Twitter. I think we only got one from Instagram for whatever reason. Uh, But uh, I I bunched them together because there were a lot of similar things. Here's the first one. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, TVD Vixen says, what do you think of the theory in the season five finale, Archie confessing his love for Betty on her doorstep, paralleling the pilot, ending in them kissing in the rain and having them date in season six. Also, BCTTY Andrew says, Barchi rain kiss, that's all. Also, Barchizzi says, Barchi will finally be together, finally. Slow Burns for the Wind says, it's time for Barchi, period. Barchiding says, there's been strictly Bughead and Barchi for too long on the show. Barchi should be done now. And Millie80331818 says, 
All I want is for the writers to explore Barchi a bit. It's literally the only storyline they haven't done, and it's starting to get on my nerves how much they ignore it. Keep it coming. Keep reading those comments. Mainline those comments. 46 more comments to get through. (gasps) No, that was all of them. Go ahead, Pete. No, because they did that whole stupid, what was it, dream sequence or uh, uh, flashback to when they were kids or whatever. People change, man. You can't just... I, I appreciate the fact that you love something from a comic. I very much can appreciate that. But I it's think not even that. I think it's it's on this show. Like everyone loves Betty, uh, and right. it, her unrequited love is Archie. And they haven't been but together. But that's when she was a kid before she knew what she wanted. Before she's too sophisticated for this fuck. Now it's not even like a real. I just don't understand. I think she's read enough of Jughead's dime store murder oh, novels. And she's on. ready to move on to a man that writes something he's calling songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will take a little exception because I got this one on uh, something similar on Tumblr the other day where people were like, Barchi has literally never been explored. First of all, it's been woven throughout yes. most of the seasons of the show. It has been explored a little bit. It has not been explored to the extent of Bughead or Varchi. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are also a lot of other things that have not been explored. Barchi is certainly a major Flying one. Babies but there are a lot explored. of other different ways that they potentially can go. And I think, without going on a limb, if they really, really, coming from the Barchi perspective, putting myself in that headspace, yes. if they oh, really good. wanted there, to Alex. do... That parallel, it's not going to be until the last episode of the show, right? Like, you're going to go for the first episode to the last episode, and we don't know when that's going to be at this no, point. No, but, but I think you got to play it. You have to live in the, that relationship. No, you like, don't. Like, to the, one of the, the comments there, the, the tweets, like, we have seen Varchi a lot, and I think we do need to see Varchi on the other side, and then the end of the show becomes about which relationship is right. Like, it could be Bughead. I mean, it's probably not, but it could be, and we don't well, know that's, that. That's what and they're doing with the time dash, is they're going to say, like, okay, we're fast-forwarding. Now we have these old people revisiting their town. Old people. Like, old remember, people? They're remember like 23. We, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they're going to be like, oh, remember when, oh, I used to have a crush on you. And maybe they explored a little bit, but then they realize, oh, this is just a dumb idea and something that uh, people wanted. But now that we're seeing it, we're realizing this isn't that great. Well, let me lay out two two options that I've been thinking about. I do think we're going to get Rain Kiss um, at the end of the season we haven't finished watching yet. Um, and then it can either be that um, Betty and Archie have been together throughout the whole time dash, and then we're meeting up with them in relationship, which I think is actually bad for Barchi. I feel like that means it's much more likely they will break up. Mm-hmm. Or... Archie will have gone off, uh, everyone will have gone their separate ways, and then it's going to be Archie and everyone coming back together and maybe Barchie happening in real time in the season we're going to watch, which is the one that I prefer, obviously. Now, the the rain kiss is kind of like a trope, right, that we've seen a lot, and I've been thinking about the rain Not kiss. like this, you haven't. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you think about this? Like, we fast forward, Archie is now the janitor Ooh. at the high school, and yeah. he is messing around with the sprinkler system. He accidentally blows up the high school, and they turn on the sprinkler system to save the high school, and as they save the high school, they kiss underneath the sprinkler. 
See, I thought you were going to go for fire kiss for a second. Like the Ooh. fire is raining down on them from the high school, just rubble falling on their heads, and oh, they kiss hot. under that. Just yeah. bonk, 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 kiss, kiss, kiss. Nice. Rubble. You like the end of, uh, well, end of Game of Thrones style? <laughs> That'd be a fucked <laughs> yeah, up sure. way to go. Yeah. yeah, don't do that, baby. That didn't yeah. work out well for anybody. Didn't work uh, out. Let's move on uh, talk about something else. The, this was uh, great idea. Ver- very simply suggested, but by multiple people. Phallus Happiness says Phallus Wedding. Mad Amy 17 says Phallus Endgame. And X That Blonde Girl says, what about Phallus? So let's talk about this. Uh, the, the thing is, we do know that Skeet Ulrich is leaving the show in the third episode. He had a whole goodbye on set. He's moved on to other projects. What does that mean for Phallus, either well, in the short term or the long not, term? Not good. <laughs> when one person, let me, this is my relationship experience. If one person leaves the relationship, very hard to continue the relationship. Well, you can have a long distance relationship, you know what I mean? And that is kind of one person leaving. But I hope that we get a little F Palace before the leave, and then maybe that gives us hope that uh, if he wises up and comes back to the show, they can revisit it. Well, I'll I tell mean, you, I, I mean, think maybe this dies. goes under the category of spoiler, but uh, they did put this up on Instagram. Um, so it seems like the goodbye scene happens outside the high school and something they'd be doing on set for COVID protocols is before you do between every kiss, between every take of a kiss, you have to gargle with special mouthwash for a minute. And then spit it into a bag, and then they throw it out. Uh, or do Ulrich, they throw it out? Yeah, or, or do they, they save it? <laughs> save it. Or yeah, they mail it to the <laughs> biggest fans. The yeah. Biggest yeah. Fans. Oh man, that'd be great. Uh, speaking of which, Patreon.com/slash Comic Book Club. Oh, just putting that out there. Oh, Maybe there's weird. a bag of spit. I don't that know what I'm talking weird. about. That was weird. Yeah. Uh, Skeet Orange and Machen Abic did that. So there is a F Palace kiss coming down the pike. Excited you for know that because you were able to get your hands on those bags. That's how you know. Uh, yeah, I tested them. Oh, Where, what are you talking about? This <laughs> this this bag of spit tests positive for kiss. <laughs> Negative for COVID. Positive for kiss. Uh, I think. I mean, I have no evidence to back this up. I think FP's going to go out in a blaze of glory. I don't think he's just going to go and take a trip and be like, "Hi, I'm out here in the world." Something's going to happen that causes him to. Sacrifice himself. It feels like that's the build of the character to me. They have said that he's going to be alive, though. Like, I could see him doing some sort of big, teary, this is it, goodbye, so it feels very final. Not just, well, I'm taking a bike ride outside of town. Um, But he is going to be around, and I think if there is any couple that is endgame, it's probably FP and Alice. You know, that's the sort of thing I could see Skeet uh, FP, excuse me, pulls up on his bike in the final episode. Alice gets out. She throws out her gum from her mouth and gets on the bike and they ride off together. Wow. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. I would love it. Uh, let's move on to another one. This is another one uh, two folks sent in. Uh, me, myself, and you said, I'm questioning what's going to happen with the twins. I don't want Shoni to be still be taking care of them or have the twins be that thing that splits them up because they couldn't be a typical relationship. And the nobility of A said, do you think the twins will still be around, uh, will be around 10 years old or somehow still be babies? <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy request. They should uh, be floating babies. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, 
I would love it if there were still babies. That would be the funniest thing. Yeah, they're I think they're going to be they're going to be aged up. They're going to be dressing like tiny little shonies, uh, and I think it's going to be great. I think they're oh, going to if there's going to be a family unit on this show that that thrives in the in the time dash. I think it's going to be Shoni Chopaz and kids. It would well, be amazing sure. if one was like a little Tony and one was like a little Cheryl. Oh, it'd be so adorable. A hundred percent. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Here's a note of caution that I'll throw to you, and we don't know much more about it than this. In the next season, Drew Ray Tanner, who plays Fangs, has been upped uh, to a main cast member. Yeah, because he's of going to be bad boys for life. With Kevin which is kind of exciting for Kevin, and we'll get to that one in a second. Uh, but also, Tony is going to be living with him. She's going to be the Serpent Queen. The thing that kind of raised my alarm bell a little bit is, why is Tony living with Kevin and Fangs instead of with Cheryl? What's going on there? Hmm. Maybe well, some... when, you're, when you're a queen, you have to live in your kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you happen to be dating a noted archer from the next kingdom over, you go visit. I think that, yeah, when you're a noted queen, you can't live in a house where there's old people in the walls. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not a good way to live. Plus, there's, like, corpses being wheeled around and talked to. So I think uh, if she's smart, she gets the fuck out of that creepy-ass house. Let me ask you, Alex, are you implying that you're predicting a Shoney Chopaz split? I think there's going to be a split, yeah. No! Or wow. or I think there's going to be something, because it's seven years after, right? I could see some sort of thing where you could have, you could have a storyline where one of them wants to get married, the other one doesn't. There's a big fight over that. And so Tony has moved out in with Kevin and Fags until Cheryl decides to settle down or something like that, you know? Cheryl settle down? I don't think so. (laughs) More like Cheryl wises up and knows she can't do better than Tony. Uh, uh, To get back to the Kevin thing, uh, whoa. Uh, To get back to the Kevin thing, uh, Riverdale fanatic, uh, Fantic, excuse me, says, hashtag Kevin Keller needs better representation in screen time. And Austin Piercy says, it's time to give Kevin a story. Uh, They've been promising that for seasons from the Katie Keene time jump. We know he's working at Riverdale High as the drama teacher after a failed uh, uh, Broadway um, go, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And he's living with fangs. Uh, Is that going to be a storyline, though, or is that going to be just a mention and then we move on as usual? But do you think they have to speak to the Katie Keene timeline? Is that part of the show? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's canon. Kind of, but also them going, Katie Keene was five years ahead, and this is seven years ahead. So they could be like, yeah, and then I'm not working at high school anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like him at the high school. I like him in a relationship. I hope uh, I hope we, I hope that character, I mean, I hope we get to really be a part of that. Yeah, I, my vote is more Kev. I hope it's not uh, too sad for him, and, uh, you know, hopefully that, we don't have to live through his heartbreak of, uh, you know, his failed Broadway debut. Get this man a kidney it. back. <laughs> he grew extra kidneys during the time job. That's how everything works. Yeah. Uh, Pete, you're not going to like this one. This is from Dingus Dugas. Theory, Pop Tate <laughs> passes away, which makes the gang come back to Riverdale. But a hidden evil will force them to stay and confront their past and present demons. Agree. No. 
You can't work in uh, the chocolate shop for that many years without getting a hard crust of hamburger grease around your organs. Oh, so he doesn't die of foul play. He just dies of a heart attack. He's going to die of burger lung. You can't kill off Pop Tate just like you can't kill off Alfred. It's bullshit when they do stuff like that. So we do know uh, there's a new regular joining the series, and uh, it's Aaron Westerbrook, or Westbrook, I think it's Westerbrook, uh, is joining us, Tabitha Tate, who is Pop Tate's daughter. She's going to be mixing it up with Veronica on the business end of things a little bit uh, and trying to expand Pop Tate into a national chain. Uh, So that's going to cause some conflict there. But I think that's where this theory is coming from, is why does Tabitha come to town and try to do this if Pop is still around? But I don't know. I don't think they're going to kill Pop. I don't. Yeah, don't do I don't it. See really do that. I think it makes a lot of sense. Stop. Because yeah. he's old. That is true. And who time, cares? He's going to be seven years older. So what is he going to be? Thirty at that point. That's disgusting old. age. You. Fuck you yeah. both. I bet the only witness is going to be that hamburger who's been narrating things the entire time. Oh man! Darkness love- finally came to my little diner. Oh no! Don't eat me. Uh, here's another pair of comments. Randa Morris says, do you think the Charles Chick storyline will be wrapped up before the time jump, or will that be another season-long thing? And Bad Gamer 31 says, are they ever going to revisit Charles and Chick's relationship and what exactly they have had up their sleeves? I think we, yeah, I think that ends the season we haven't, uh, haven't seen yet. Um, and then I bet we will, I mean, perhaps one or both of them dies. Um, but if not, if they become the sort of uh, Hal of the uh, future seasons, like I could see them being the villain we revisit. I mean, this show doesn't ever let anything go to waste. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that, but I think that, uh, you know, let's just let this whole chick thing die off and never address it again. No, he's got to keep coming back until nope. Riverdale is finally saved as the true hero oh, oh, that God. Riverdale needs. That's 100%. It's like that's, um, that's The Rise stupid. of Skywalker. <laughs> Your favorite she, movie. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, famously, my favorite movie. Uh, I mean, he could easily be um, the Emperor's grandchild. All right, here's another one. This is a little bit of a swerve, but from Nelso Blitz Kelso. If you could bring in one character from another TV show to join the Riverdale gang, who would it be? Oh, great question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess probably um, uh, Brian Williams from the Evening News. Wow. Uh, wow. Man, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. He'd have some interesting perspectives on everything going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll, let me let me go in a different direction. I would choose Rachel Maddow from MSNBC. Ooh, smart. Yeah, she is on Batwoman, so it's like a little bit of an even. Makes one. a lot of sense. Ooh. Um, yeah. I I would go with uh, Ko. Um, <laughs> Ko and, Kelly from Katie Keene. Yeah, yeah, he right. would be fun. Uh, also, I mean, that's an easy one. I Much also, easier. I want Josie back. But then also Panthro from Thundercats, I think that would be great. A lot of, lot of options Any there. Any particular reason? Or well, just, Panthro like- really never got his due on Thundercats, so maybe you put him on a, a teen drama and he can you know, get a little bit more love. He could build a lot of fun vehicles for them to drive around in. Yeah. Also, it would be uh, fun to have an animated character on a live-action show and nobody address it. Do you know what... Uh, Real answer, Justin. You watched Raised by Wolves. Uh, oh hell I'd yeah! I'd love to see Mother 
for Race by Wolf show. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. I'll tell you what, though. This show could get away with it. I tell Absolutely. You. Her try to take care of everybody in town, all the kids and everything, round them up. Yeah. Uh, just talk to them. You Jughead? Jughead, where are you, Jughead? I put in my eyes. The town with Pep was in trouble yet again when Mother's eyes got lost <laughs> in the bacon grease trap at Pop's Chocolate Shop. Although oh, man. it would be nice if maybe some uh, Riverdale High got some uh, Ted Lasso coach talks that could really turn their lives around a little bit. Uh, Cheryl would definitely lock him in the office, same as the other one. <laughs> no questions. Well, a follow-up question. Is there a character from another show that could seamlessly work in Riverdale? That it would be like, oh, this makes sense. Because I from think it, not Kitty Keen, not from, Chilling yeah. Adventures of Sabrina. Outside of the um the Riverdale universe, um the Roberto Aguirre verse, um because it, it, Riverdale is such a it, the tone of Riverdale is so specific. I know we 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 joke all the time anything can happen on this show, including the cast be suddenly being like, "Hey, I watched tonight's episode of Riverdale that I currently am in, <laughs> and it's a crazy <laughs> ending. I can't wait for ten minutes from now." Uh, I think, but I do think it's tricky to actually slot in an mm-hmm. outside thing. I think uh, I have two answers. Uh, one is the. Um, I was that weird alien from X Files that could like uh, fit through any kind of like uh, he could like uh, like turn into slime or whatever and like go through vents and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would be a fun character on the show that don't you don't need to explain. You can just show a couple times, and then also um, uh, from Preacher, um, uh, what's his face who I love and I can't believe I'm blanking on his name would be amazing. Uh, Cassidy, which, yeah, Cassidy. Oh, strong choice. Uh, Alex, what do you say? Uh, I was going to say something else, but I actually think, uh, conversely to Pete's weird answer about the X-Files weirdo, I think uh, Mulder and Scully actually could make sense. Like, having them show up and investigating mystery one time. That would be amazing. They've done that on other shows, and they've crossed over, but I think that would actually be pretty seamless. Um. Yeah, that's actual FBI agents show up. Um, I'm going to throw out uh, early series Buffy mm, could pop mm-hmm. into this show and sort of before shit was so crazy on Buffy. But like when uh, it was just like there's some weird stuff happening. Pop in here. Let's do it. I could see something where Cordelia shows up. Right. And yeah. uh, mixes it up with Cheryl or something like that. That would be fun. What a fun time. Uh, This is from D. Deddy. I'll explain what she's talking about in a second if you don't know. But I think the girl in the picture with the truck is Polly, possibly escaped Shady Oaks. I hope the family man doesn't try to pick her up. This is from uh, some early promo art that they sent out with the Riverdale logo. There was a blonde woman running away from a truck. Actually, I really love this idea. You put Archie in the Sylvester Stallone over-the-top role where Archie starts driving trucks for a living and starts arm wrestling for money on the side. I really think that's in his wheelhouse. That would be pretty amazing. What if the show, uh, we had a whole episode that was just a montage of all the shit Archie did in the seven-year gap? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Truly just a straight-up 42-minute montage with commercials. But in the commercials, there's more stuff that Archie's done. He's in the commercials, yeah. He voices, He's a voiceover for a Toyota commercial. He's, like, hanging out with the Geico Gecko. All of it could work. Oh, man. 
Absolutely. I'm 100% in on that. We have a couple of other uh, quick ones here before we wrap up. Uh, we, from me, myself, and you, I also really want to see Cheryl as a lawyer. That's yeah. interesting. Do you think that could happen in the time jump? Def. I mean, she has a strong, um, legally blonde uh, energy mm-hmm. that I think she could really bring to some fun courtroom scenes. Yeah. Cheryl owns any room that she's in, so yeah, I have. She could definitely do that, no problem. Uh, similarly, or on the same sort of couple, Cheryl Blossom, but with a zero instead of an O, says, "Do you think post time jump Tony might be pregnant?" I assume this is riffing off the fact that Vanessa Morgan is pregnant in real life and expected to give birth in January. Uh, uh, what do you think? Are we going to see pregnant Tony, or are they just going to kind of skip over it? I would give them a lot of extra credit if they went that way, and maybe that could that plays into like some fun with uh, pregnant serpent queen, and maybe if there is a split between Cheryl and Tony uh, after they decided to have a kid of their own, like that makes the stakes that much higher. I agree. I like that. I mean, you know, I love Shoni and I want them to be together. But if there is some sort of thing like that, that does feel like a way to split them up, but set the exes to lovers trope type thing going. Um, And I think that'll be fun. They clearly are using some baggy clothing to hide it pre time jump. But post time jump, uh, she's pretty pregnant right now. So I don't know yes. how many labs they can stick in front of her. And last one, uh, this is from uh, Lesbiani Klaus. A lot of fans have been campaigning for bisexual Veronica since season one. Is this finally the season where we're going to get to see that? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with the time jump is like these characters can uh, do anything. Like we can see them come back uh, as long as the core sort of person is there. I think whatever choices they make and whatever uh, person they become is totally justified. And I do think there's some some truth to that. And the script we read for today, like uh, Veronica's the one that, that kisses Betty, right? There you go. Uh, All right, folks, I think we're going to wrap up there. Thanks, as usual, for listening. We'll try to come back every now and again with more special episodes like this as we very close now relatively speaking to January 20th to the premiere date of season five. We're getting there. It feels it's so just around close. the corner. We got to make honestly, it past this election before you can say things like that. Honestly, it feels very far away, uh, but also it's been so long since the quote unquote season finale. Yeah. And I'll also mention in between that, uh, at the end of December, we're going to be back with our Chilling Adventures of Sabrina podcast for uh, Crying Face Emoji. The final part of that show, that's coming out December 31st. Uh, so we're going to plug out a bunch of episodes uh, for that when it comes out on Netflix. So stay tuned for that in Chilling Podcast of Sabrina. Uh, we'll also try to throw it in the Riverdale feed as well, so you can check it out there. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, at Riverdale After on Instagram. Uh, Also, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, I'm the hamburger saying (laughs) goodnight. (laughs) 